Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am John Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and uh, I don't remember really how to do this. I know, I was thinking about that too at my house today. I was like, I wonder how this is going to go. Yeah, and I was like, it's, it's going to go fine. And then I was like, maybe it won't go fine. We had planned to do this like three weeks ago, because this is our second horror episode. It's supposed to be our hollow. It's supposed to be released around Halloween. Yeah. But then life got in the way, so fuck you all who a, care. A lot of fucking life happened. Um and it is unfortunate, but we are, we, it was always on my mind and movies are one of those things that have like, I don't know, I've been watching, I watched Moneyball for an hour today and I really enjoyed it. Moneyball? That's what you were watching? Yeah, I said. Oh, you, I saw Money or like Hard oh, Money no. or something. I watched like, Moneyball I oh. and I was like, this movie is great. Really? I don't like Moneyball. How come? There's a, there's a, I was thinking. I have a, I have a, I have a Brad Pitt thing. Like you're saying like off air how you have a Will Smith thing. I kind of have a Brad Pitt thing. Yeah, I just I get don't that. like how he carries himself. And sometimes it doesn't, I, sometimes it gets in the way of movies because it always seems to, he just has one way of being. And sometimes that works. Which is weird because he didn't used to. Right. Like in seven, he carries himself significantly different. That's he, true. He, his shoulders are kind of slumped forward. But since then, he's always like kind of standing tall. Meet Joe Black. I don't, Same I thing. Never saw Meet Joe Black. Oh, come on. Remember when he speaks in a Jamaican patois? Well, I, I don't. Remember? Because I've never seen Meet Joe Black. I, I was not too excited about the Phantom Menace trailer that I went to go see it. Oh, man. Meet Joe Black. You remember that? Like how Meet Joe Black in its opening weekend made a lot of money because a lot of people went to go see just the Phantom Menace trailer? Oh, no. I don't remember that. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty hilarious. That's awesome. For me, Joe Black. That movie was so long. It was on two video cassettes. Back when, yeah, like, like, that's what, that's what, that's how you. It's almost things. three hours or a little bit over three. I don't hours. know. I owned it. I, I bought it on purpose. My computer, uh, my research abilities are, are hampered because I only have my phone because my computer is and making I'm, a loud fan sound. And I'm not gonna look that up. That's that's, yeah, that's yeah, a fact. That's really okay to, to give a mist. So yeah, uh, so this will be our mid no early ish mid November. It's gonna be mid November uh, horror. They just keep on coming out, Mario. They do. There is no. There is always time for horror, apparently, or it's always time for horror in in movie culture now. There's not. They're not like. Oh yeah. Like, they're not like slipping it in in like late well, January, early February, and then around. I mean, Halloween to be time. fair, there was a a significant amount of movies that had to get pushed back. Like two of the movies, real talk. Two of the movies we're going to talk about. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about, I think it was supposed to come out in March. It definitely got pushed back. I just don't remember yeah, where I think, from. I'm going to talk about Last Night in Soho. I think that's supposed to come out in March or April. Um, it was supposed to come out in April. was originally? Originally it was supposed to come out in September of last year. Then it got delayed to April. Mm. And they pushed it back again to October. The other Halloween got pushed back a full year. Mm-hmm. Antlers got pushed back a year and a half. Did you see Antlers? Nah. I heard it was fine. We'll wait. We'll wait till it comes out on... Yeah. Scott Cooper movies don't necessarily need to be seen in the theaters. I, I was think. surprised that it got like such a wide release. Because how are people looking for... like How are theaters looking for movies to put in them? Well, because I, I, think, I think the theater theatrical releases are still kind of like slow going. They're kind of pumping up. But like solely theatrical releases haven't really kind of taken off yet. We're getting a lot it... of dual releases. Is Antlers going to do it? Antlers did not do it. I think that movie <laughs> flopped terribly. Well, Clifford's coming out this weekend, so. All right. That'll, that'll, no, that, that'll isn't, isn't Clifford, on, isn't that also co-streaming on something like Apple or something of that sort? I don't think it's Apple, but it's definitely, I think it's just coming Paramount on Plus. demand. Is it Paramount it's Plus? Paramount Plus. But people are going to want to see that dog. 
yeah. really big. And also, how many people have Paramount Plus? I feel like we do by accident. You, 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 you do? You I think? think I use it for something? You haven't watched uh, isn't Finch or whatever, the uh, the new Tom Hanks movie on Paramount Plus? No, I don't. Or is that Apple? That's Apple. I don't okay. care for that. We, have, we could watch that now if we want, but we're not going to. I'm not going to. You need to I've heard it's okay. I listened to a podcast with him talking about it, and he's like, it kicked my ass, it broke me, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, it didn't, Tom Hanks. And he's like, Caleb Landry Jones is great. And I was like, I'm <laughs> sure you never met Caleb Landry Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's the voice of a robot. He wasn't there on set. Maybe he just really liked, uh, you know, Three Billboards. Was he in Three Billboards? Oh, my God. Caleb Landry Jones? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Whew. Hard to remember all this stuff. Remember, didn't she throw him out of a window? Does she? Maybe she does. I feel like she throws him out of a window. Yeah, she does. You're right. Yep. Into the street. Yep. Yeah, that's a good movie. I love it is. Movie. I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of it, but I know. I, I there's a lot of people that aren't, but I think I think your problems with it are more aesthetic than they are like. My problems Sam Rockwell more... is not getting like what he deserves. Uh, yeah, no, my, my problems with it are more based upon like my expectations from the previous two films and from John Michael McDonald's films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got two movies in the pipeline now, so pretty good. He's doing a Colin, he's doing a an Inishmore movie with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. They're all Colin Farrell movies, except the ones that aren't. But yeah. even the ones well, that I, aren't, well, he's just there. That will be three of his four features have been uh, Colin Farrell films, and three of his five films will have been Brendan Gleeson movies. I'm 100% sure that if you watch Three Billboards very closely, Colin Farrell is there. <laughs> and Brendan Gleeson probably too. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson plays the horse. They're actually both the ho- they're in the horse that, like, you know, Woody Harrelson goes to look at before he kills himself. What if, what if it was just those two guys in a stable? And they're like, oh, we can leave now. They're like poking around, like, come run away. Would have been perfect. Would have been great. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, the first movie I, I will talk about, because I was the only person that saw it, because you refused to see it out of your um, hatred of, of Edgar Wright. I've just never liked one of his movies. That's just there. Um, I have a up-and-down relationship with him. I hate At World's End and Baby Driver. I really like Spaced. I like Shaun of the Dead. I like Scott, I love Scott Pilgrim. And uh, I like uh, Hot Fuzz. So, yeah. you know, up but and down. Baby Driver was bad. I don't understand what everyone's deal with Baby Driver is. Sound design was great. That's about it. Who cares? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to it's give good. it... It's I'm good. It's good. Fine. Good yeah. sound design, whatever. It's enough with the Ansel Elgort stuff. It's like the no. thing I'm least looking forward to. I'm not even looking forward to, to anything that's happening in this new West Side Story movie. Oh, but having right, to look at it. Ansel Elgort's face... Huge in a Steven like with blowing out Steven Spielberg lighting behind it is not one of the things I'm like super excited about. Every time I see Ansel Egor or whatever, I'm like, why don't we just get um Taron Egerton? Taron Egerton's so much better. He's so much better. Why not? He's, look, they look very similar. They're like all twenty something yeah. white kids look. But Taron Egerton looks. I'm allowed to no, say that, like right? Regular, yeah. It's not an ageism thing. No, Ansel okay. Egor looks like an alien. <laughs> well, yeah, Taron Gillian or Taron Gillian. Uh, Taron Egerton. Terry Gilliam, that's perfect for this role. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Taron Egerton is like much a much more attractive guy. Too. Oh my god, I know. Do it. Delay West Side Story again. Cut out Ansel Egerton. <laughs> Cut Terry Egerton. Yeah. 
Get Dennis Villeneuve to just supervise the special effects on replacing his face. No, Ridley, just Ridley Scott. He did oh. it once already. Nope. Ridley Scott, I think, is... He's on his way out. People like Last last Duel. I don't, I don't know why. I should not do that, because that's probably going to pop up in the sound. I'm just spinning a top. Oh, that? Yeah, it definitely came up. Who yeah. cares? Mario spinning a bottle cap. Anyhow, the movie I will talk about is... Last night in Soho. I got this kind of gift. I can see people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. They're not just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? They really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? I want to report a murder. You witnessed the murder last night, but you believe this was a vision from the past. The guy that killed her is still out there. I have to stop him. You did. I've done a lot of things. You're gonna have to be more specific, love. You can't save me. Ellie is a uh, aspiring fashion designer whose mother had committed suicide some years before. Now she lives with her grandmother, but she still sees visions. Mm-hmm of her uh, mother she's suffered from we believe some sort of um suicidal ideations are possibly uh stress and trauma rising from her mother her mother had also kind of dealt with these issues mm-hmm. um but she gets accepted into the london college of fashion she lives in a small town um early on and she you know, takes the drive up to London. Her mom had tried to do it herself and had not been able to handle it and then kind of like led in the downward spiral. Um, so her grandmother's concerned about that, but, you know, lets her go. Uh, Ellie finds herself kind of being an outsider. Everyone's trying to be kind of just dickish kids, dickish 18, 19, however old you are when you go mm-hmm. to the London School of Fashion. So her roommate's a terrible person. Everyone's not that great. There's there's one guy, uh, John, played great by Michael Asia, who's who's kind of like her love interest, who's a who's, who's an okay guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually like a weirdly exceedingly good guy. It's kind of it's kind of a weird character to be mm. honest. But I think I read something about how everyone in this movie is terrible except for the two of them. Yes, yeah, I would agree that that is very. Yeah, the barmaid is also really nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's her last role as well. Everyone mentions that is the last role of Diana Rigg, but it was also the last role of Margaret not Dolan, who plays the barmaid in that. Mm. Um, Ellie decides that she doesn't want to stay in the dorm, so she finds a house rent in Soho, which is probably impossible because those <laughs> things cost ten, like 3,000 pounds or something like that, but mm-hmm. whatever. She somehow finds one um, rented out by the elderly Miss Collins, who tells her that uh, she's lived in the house for a long time and, 
you know, the only rules are just kind of like be quiet, blah, 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 no boys after 8 p.m., um, and to never mind the smell uh, during the summer because the sewage kind of leaks up and it always smells like garlic as well because there's a bakery nearby. Uh-huh. Uh, soon Ellie starts having these really vivid dreams of um, this girl, Sandy, and uh, Jack, kind of like an early love affair. It takes place during the ni- like during the 1960s. Ellie's kind of been modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first few nights, these are lovely dreams. She gets inspiration from Sandy's dress to, uh, you know, create her own kind of like 1960s inspired clothing. But eventually, uh, as the nights and the dreams come on, um, she finds out that Jack, who is supposed to be, because Sandy had dreamed to be a singer uh, at one of the clubs, uh-huh. um, and Jack had told her he could get her there. He was a manager. Well, it turns out he's actually kind of a pimp. Oh. And he starts uh, pimping out Sandy to his various clients. Hmm. Um, and so the dreams progress and get worse, and Ellie starts to have more of a psychotic break. She takes a job at a bar, a really famous bar at some place. Um and in, in England? In, in Soho. Oh, okay. um, it's probably listed here in the plot, but it's hard to do. But it doesn't actually matter. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, meanwhile, she's kind of also... Uh, Ellie, uh, she's starting to see visions during the day of these faceless gray men who are kind of the spirits of the people that Sandy kind of slept with during this time and the you know visions of Sandy. Hmm. Um, so she's starting to have a bit of a psychotic break herself in modern day, uh, having a hard time, you know, screaming and getting scared and almost killing somebody with a pair of scissors. Um, that's a little bit later on. Uh, she's also kind of accosted by Terrence Stamp, who plays oh, this, no. uh, who plays this kind of like Lothari, older Lothario, uh-huh. um, who she believes to be the older Jack, uh, as the dreams progress, eventually she witnesses Sandy being stabbed to death and murdered by Jack. And so she becomes convinced that Terrence Stamp is Jack and that she it's an unsolved murder and that she needs to solve the murder of Sandy. And that's when things progress even worse and worse and worse. Um, it seems like there's a lot going on. In this there's, a, there's a lot going on. Eventually, she confronts um, Terrence Stamp and Terrence Stamp is like, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm not Jack. Terrence um, Stamp? Yeah, because I'm actually Terrence Stamp. <laughs> Noted film actor. And it turns out uh, Terrence Stamp has been hit by a car. Turns out Terrence Stamp was actually a old um, vice cop who had tried to get Sandy out of this life. Oh. Um, as the nightmare and all everything progresses, Ellie decides that she can't take London anymore. She's being chased by these ghosts of these men and also seeing bloody Sandy around and seeing the ghost, uh, the figment of young Matt Smith, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because Matt Smith is awful in this movie. Um, Who's Matt Smith in this movie? He plays Jack. He plays oh, okay. Young. young Jack. Gotcha. Um, it coalesced to where, you know, she asks John, her kind of life interest, to get her out of the town. She goes back to the house to kind of close things up, mm-hmm. and then she has one last vision. Um, not actually one last vision. She, she, she goes to talk to the old Miss Collins, Diana Riggs, to be like, I need to leave. She's already reported the murder of Sandy, and Diana Riggs is like, you shouldn't have done that because I'm Sandy. Because it turns out 
as we find out, that Sandy was not actually murdered. She kind of had like a false vision. Sandy turned around, killed Jack, and then proceeded to bring the men back into the house and murder them. Oh. And then all this time, That's nice. Sandy has been a serial killer. And the reason that she talks about the smell during the summer is because she's been hiding the bodies in the wall. Um, as, as one as does. As Diana Rigg is known to do. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, climax happens. Diana Rigg realizes that she's kind of an asshole. She lets herself burn to death because a fire happens. Oh. Ellie and Jack and um, not John escape. Um, even though John gets stabbed really deeply in the gut, but he's okay somehow. Um, then Ellie uh, does a fashion line still based on Sandy because she kind of forgives Sandy, realizing that Sandy was also sort of a victim. Uh-huh. Um, you know, seeing that the ghost of Sandy was there because Sandy had also died when she had been kind of led down this path. Mm. Um, I really, honestly, this is my second favorite Edgar Wright film. Hmm. It is the least in tone with the Edgar Wrightness, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, what I'm talking about when it comes to the Edgar Wright like fast cuts or the necessity to kind of be always hip. Yeah. This movie pulls back on that. The production design on this film during the 1960s moments is fucking top notch. Uh-huh. Um, as th- this will probably be in my eyes near the end of the year. Uh, I guess we're already near the end of the year. Sorry. <laughs> um, the the two lead performances uh, by Thomas and Mackenzie and Anna Taylor Joy are, are fantastic. They're they're really I'm gonna say fantastic, but they're incredibly solid for the genre of film. Um, and kind of Edgar Wright just allows this to be an actor's kind of film. Uh-huh. You know, Terrence Stamp is great. Matt Smith is just not that good of an actor. So I, exactly, I don't but understand the it. Matt Smith thing, but um, whatever. Diana Rigg, this was an incredible kind of like final performance for her. She played when she turns into the villain. It's Pretty damn solid. Uh-huh. I, I don't necessarily see how Diana Rigg, how Anna really do feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a credit to just the way like Paul Necklace is editing um, the cinematography in this is, is incredibly solid. It's, it's a really solid genre film. Hmm. Uh, the writing from uh, Kristen Wilson Carnes and Edgar Wright leaves a little bit to be desired. It's a little on the nose at points. It over explains itself too much. There's a little bit too many flashbacks and everything, but that's forgivable because it's just overall an enjoyable experience. Um, and I, I think I would somebody who knows movies, mm-hmm. like there's definitely um, inspiration from, I wouldn't necessarily say horror films of the time, like like Peeping Tom or whatnot, but it's more um, Antonici, is that his last name? Uh, like Blowout and whatnot, kind of like the 60s. Oh, Antonioni? Antonioni, like um, those sorts of films of the 60s, uh, that kind of genre. Can't really name other films off the top of my head. My mom was a big fan of those mm-hmm. for a while. You see the inspiration in that that kind of bleeds through both the modern and the previous time. Yeah. And that's what really works is kind of the through line of that kind of movie with a horror film uh-huh. pasted like painted underneath it. Yeah. Um, and it does a really good job of I, I think Thomas and McKenzie and Anna Taylor Joy 
carry a weaker script and making you care about these characters and make you believe yeah. that like well Anne Taylor Joy is kind of meant to not necessarily be a very forgivable character like you're supposed to kind of feel for her. the script doesn't earn it but she does she and Diana Rigg do the work to earn it mm-hmm. um it was I was I really went into this going like Edgar Wright maybe is making this Tarantino turn where he's kind of like oh, falling off the God. cliff of being him constantly, yeah. But he's he's pulled back from well, yeah. what he did with Baby. You know he what still I'm... has this like soundtrack thing. He still has a sound design yeah, thing. Yeah, he's but still that's himself. Fine. But I think the interesting thing, like culturally, I think the interesting thing that tried to happen here with this movie is that, be, and probably because of the pandemic and because nobody knew what the hell was going on or what anything was going to be, I think everyone tried to elevate this movie into like. I think everyone tried to elevate Edgar Wright, and because of the Sparks documentary, which was so well received, everyone tried to elevate. Which I didn't see. Edgar Did Wright. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's 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 pretty good music documentary. But like when you have is that like streaming? A, oh yeah, it's been streaming for a long time. Is, no, is that like a like an honest streaming service or no? Oh, I don't know. I okay. so I paid, I rented it. Oh. Um, but when you have like the um, the people that were influenced by the Sparks talking about, so if you have a certain kind of musical. Um, you know, entertainer or musician or songwriter or whatever, talking about what the things that influences them, you're going to have like a good, pretty good documentary. Um, Unfortunately, Sparks better for partially responsible for Anne than it. Well, I don't really like the Sparks music, but I, I thought the documentary was like an enjoyable experience. Got it. Um, it was an interesting documentary about music, just not very interesting music um, or music that I find very interesting. I think one of the interesting things about the Edgar Wright thing, though, is that I think people tried to say like this was like an Oscar movie. Or he was moving into prestige film territory. And I think one of the interesting things about the reviews have been like, in, in your review, I think, is, is um, indicative of this, is that like, just do what you do. You're good at it. Yeah, you're don't... not going to... When you try to push out into like prestige filmmaking, like... You're not hitting your. You're not hitting your spot. I don't think he was trying to do that, though. I don't no, think he. Was, I don't think so. They think the culture thought yeah. he was. I think he was. And then literally when the movie just came doing... out, they're like, "Oh, he's just Edgar, making Edgar Wright movies." Yeah, and I don't think. I don't think the intention was ever. It was. It was meant to be an homage to those style of films. Um, so I don't. I don't think he was ever trying to like go beyond like some directors have done right. successfully. Um, and yeah, so so like maybe the idea of expectations was wrong, but I do think it succeeds in just staying in its lane. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. And I hope he kind of. I hope he continues to do that. You know, I hope he continues to just kind of realize he doesn't necessarily need to do his trope anymore, yeah. or his signature. Unlike a director I'll talk about in the next episode, who's decided to like really dig into that, <laughs> and it makes me want to <laughs> fucking throw a table. Um, yeah, no. So it, it was nice. It's it's good of him to be like a director who I think is getting a lot of like praise right now. Um, in terms like in that Nolan Reddit lane. Oh God. That Nolan villain the wave lane. Instead of like digging in, he was he's pulled back and let his performers kind of take over. Kind of there was a little bit of a lingering eye on one of the actresses. I won't get into that too much. But, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had mentioned that. But I think. Ultimately, he's just letting the actors kind of do the work. And he's kind of always, when he, he's done that often. He does that with like Hot Fuzz. He did that with Shaun the Dead. He did that with Spaced. Mm-hmm. Um, when he does that, I think he's more successful. As much as I love Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, like, that works because it's an ensemble film. 
when he's doing like the baby driver thing where he does with At World's End, where it's a lot of him and it kind of overwhelms it, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, um, Baby Driver is an, an incredibly unappealing like film experience, but everyone was obsessed with it for like a chunk of that year that it came out, and I was just like, fine, I'm like whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's inoffensive, but it's just like well, that's and I think one of the things about Edgar Wright is that let him it just he's become maybe he's become like a very influential filmmaker who's just never going to hit that place of making a movie that's for everybody. Well, it's, this is interesting, because this reminds me a lot of, um, I want to say, was it Matt Reeves that did, or Drew Godin? Drew, Go- Drew Goddard. Um, Bad Times at El Royale. Like, a lot of people oh, yeah, had yeah. expectation of this, of that being something more than it uh-huh. was. And it was like 1960s, you know, identity. In a less kind of, like, abstract way. Um, but if you just watch that movie for what it is, it works. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's we- it's weird that, like, people are expecting these kind of genre directors to hit these like higher notes when it's just like it seems like they just want to make genre movies like maybe really well made or well good looking genre movies yeah yeah yeah, I know what you mean but they just are still making movies that are in their lane right and like don't shit on them for doing that I think that's right I I, I mean I guess this movie wasn't really negatively met but it was like I think there was a lot of, like, this is disappointing. I think there was a lot of, there was very high expectations for it, and everyone was kind of like, if people like Edgar Wright, they're like, I like this, but it's not doing the thing. It's doing Edgar it's doing Wright something, things. yeah, and it's not doing the thing and I wanted to do. And it's not doing the do. thing I wanted to do, which is, which is what film criticism has just turned into now, which we'll talk about in the next episode with the, my solo review, which is that, like, people were just like, it's not doing what I want it to do. Well, Bad. there's a movie I have a very positive review of, in our in the next episode, which I think's being met well, but it's not doing what I wanted. It didn't do what I wanted it to do, but like I, I'm still good. I still really appreciated what it ended up doing. Mm, I'm curious to know what that movie is. Don't tell me. No, I, you're gonna do it. You're gonna like mouth it, and I'm gonna no. be like, you do that sometimes. I like I thought, we're like no, tricking. You know what the, happened in my head? the ether in my head. But I'm usually a little more <laughs> souped up at that point because it popped in my head, and I was like, why would I do that? I'm going to wait. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of meeting expectations, however... Oh, man, I'm doing a lot of talking now. Did but I have to do this. Did Ugh, it meet God. expectations? Well, no. I want to hear... I, say the movie, and then I do want to talk about, like, what your expectations... Maybe ha- do the movie summary. I do want to hear what your expectations were for this movie. After the summary? After the summary. Oh, okay, I can do it. Okay. What's the movie, Mario? The movie... Is David Gordon Green's follow-up to his 2018 uh, the sequel to the original, Halloween Kills. Somebody in there? Michael Myers is alive. Stop! You had a knife in your stomach. You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. I'm not just going to sit and watch another innocent person die. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Michael Myers is flesh and blood. But a man couldn't have survived that fire. 
The more he kills, the more he transcends. Run! Go home now! He's the essence of evil. This is the opening, like the literal, like when it shows Universal, I was like, that's a cool, like the, like, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this, so I'm going to probably hate this movie, but like, that's cool. But then it turned into a TV and then just, movie but, for like and then, 10 No, seconds. then it just literally became da 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 I started it already. This yeah. is all going in. <laughs> okay. Lay it down, Mario. It's 2018 still. Michael Myers is in the burning house. But he's in the gun closet. Like like I'd called in 2018 when they started the sequel. I was like, he's going to be in the gun closet. And he was. Firefighters are there. They're responding. And Michael Myers just kills them all. That's cool. Um, Why did that got one guy have the... Jaws of Life, right? That chainsaw thing? Is that the Jaws of Life? Yeah, I don't know. Why maybe, was he carrying that around? Maybe they thought into there, a fire. Maybe they thought there was gonna be like a fence thing for some reason. Like she did she maybe they knew like that Lori Strode's there and she has those crazy maybe they thought she had the crazy metal currents she did in Halloween 2018. They're like, we're gonna cut through that maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Anyways, Michael Myers escapes, he kills a bunch of firefighters. We go back in time before this to see uh, how Michael Myers got caught by uh, Frank Hawkins, who survived, because Will Patton has to come back, which I'm glad about. That's the one good thing it Gotta did well. Gotta have Will Patton. I'm glad Will Patton's back. Lori Strode goes to the hospital. She's going to stay there the entire movie. Don't think there's going to be a showdown. Meanwhile, Michael Myers says, you know, goes around, kills people. He keeps going. He's killing more people. Why did they kill that family in that or the, that the, the old couple in the house that are playing with the drone? Well, because he's there to bandage, bandage his hand that got blown off, and then they see him and like he just kills people he sees. So how come? So the novelization hand... tries to explain the Michael Myers psyche did by you read saying the novelization. No, I just read clips like excerpts oh, okay. of it, and he says he sees. People has moving meat and not moving meat, and if he sees moving meat, he needs to make it not moving meat. Okay, but so that's come, the explanation. But how come his hand can get hurt, but he can't burn in a fire? Because he's in a gun closet, Tom. He's hiding in a gun closet. Okay. His mask got burnt. Mask protected him. That's why you wear a mask. That's uh, that's true. I guess that's true. He's got that suit on. He's, he's smart. Everything's covered, but his hands. And his he's hands well are like a little burn and mask. He's fine. I think they probably thought about that. That yeah. seems like something that Danny McBride yeah. would care a lot about. It seems like something they've, yeah. The one they, exposed the one, part. The one thing they would think about. Uh, meanwhile, Michael Myers is walking around. He's killing people. Um, Anthony Michael Thomas. Anthony Michael, whatever. Hall. Anthony Michael Hall is playing, uh, you know, Tommy Doyle. He's like, oh, God, Michael Myers is around. Evil dies tonight. And they say that a lot. Um, I'm just happy to be at a bar with everybody that matters in this movie. Yeah, my it's a talent show going on, and my talent is telling the story of a murder that happened 40 years ago. In this town that, that I was remembers. related to that apparently nobody knows who I am, even well, though this is a small town. 
Um, anyways, Michael Myers keeps going. He's killing people. Lori Strode still at the hospital. Um, Lori's granddaughter, Allison, has been like, I've got to also join this mob that's now forming to because people are just driving around saying, you want to kill Michael Myers at a gas station? They're like, yeah, let's go kill Michael Myers. Uh, and so she joins the mob. But then there's this other guy that they start chasing. It was another guy who escaped. He had an umbrella in the last Halloween. But it turns out that's not the guy. He looks nothing like him. He also died, that, that actor. Oh. Of COVID? I don't know. I think he just died of, like, heart disease. Um, Too many people died. They, uh, they kill that guy on accident. Well, he kills himself. They have a really a dramatic moment. It's completely under where the guy decides to kill himself instead of being hunted down by his mob. It's completely undercut by showing his fucking brains everywhere and his arm detached. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Michael Myers keeps walking. He's killing people. He's walking. He's killing people. Uh, he's going back to his house uh, where he sees Michael McDonald and uh, the rest of Steely Dan. Well, the, the guy from the Righteous, uh, Righteous, whatever. Uh, Scott MacArthur, which is the one good part I liked, those two. Mm. Um, he kills them because he just wants to stay at his house and look out his window. Uh, the mob is still there. They've been, a lot of them have killed. And then the Lonnie and his son Cameron from the first one, they come. Then they get killed. Then Karen saves it and is like, come on, get me, Michael. I got your mask. And then Michael follows him. I think it's the shit kicked out of him with a, one of the people has an iron, whatever. Um, <laughs> then Michael Myers kills those people. One of them also has like a, a cricket bat. And like, who the fuck's playing cricket in Haddonfield? Anyhow, um, Michael Myers kills them. There's a big goes, Indian population. Then he goes, maybe. <laughs> uh, he goes back to the house. He kills uh, Judy Greer. That is, that is Halloween kills. It's literally Michael Myers walking, killing people, going to his house, killing some more people. Leaving his house for a bit, killing some people, going back to his house, killing another person, while Laurie Strode stays in the hospital. So uh, and Will Patton, and they talk about evil. I love. There's a scene when I, the, I was just referencing it in the before we turned it on, when like she's talking to Will Patton, and she's like asking him to wake up, and he is not waking up, and I just kept thinking to myself like, this scene is going on forever. She has asked him to, like, if he's awake, like, six times. Wouldn't it be cool if Will Patton's character had had, like, Frank Hawkins had had brain damage in it? And so um, Will Patton's character just kept reciting lines from Stephen King novels? Yeah. Or from Dennis Johnson's Tree of Smoke. Did he also narrate that? Oh, and it's fantastic. (laughs) Because it's like a surrealist Vietnam story. So it's just Will Patton. It literally sounds like Will Patton in, like, a container. Like a, a POW container, just like narrating his his inner oh, mind. It's fucking crazy, but it's awesome. Okay. What is you know what is awesome? The the <clears throat> the moments where I didn't watch this movie. You asked me about my expectations for this, right? And as I was, I thinking, am, as you were talking, I remember that you had like, didn't you read a script? I, I had read the script right beforehand because I were, I don't care about the spoilers over this because it's fucking Halloween, right? I had expected. Something similar in the vein to Halloween 2018. You know, some more kills. Michael Myers and her having a showdown where one of the people were probably going to die. Mm-hmm. And then it was going to build to the second one. I expected the middle volume thing. I didn't expect, like, this crazy fucking mob thing mm-hmm. that was going to happen. And I didn't expect, like, has much killing. Right. Because I remember you saying that, yeah. This isn't... I'm not a person who's like, you have to dedicate yourself to the original and whatnot but like this is 
if this is meant to be like an homage or a direct sequel to the original Halloween, this is not a Michael Myers thing. <laughs> Michael Myers isn't isn't Jason Voorhees, right? Um, and this this is what it is, and it's just an extremely extremely unpleasant experience. I don't care about characters making dumb decisions in horror movies. I don't care about pacing issues usually i i give a lot of room of forgiveness to horror movies i don't give room of forgiveness to a movie that literally has no reason to exist right this is the only purpose this movie has to exist is to bring back will Patton. i think that might and and kill off judy greer because she's like i'm not gonna do a third one maybe um i gotta have time for my ant-man my yeah. ant-man movies there might be she might be big it. in quantum mania, right? Um, so yeah, because th- th- literally this movie only exists to kill off a bunch of people. It's just that's its own. It's its entire raison d'etre. The, regardless of what you think about like the mob mentality thing, that doesn't matter because that's stupid. And the mob only exists so that we can kill them off. We bring back Nancy Stevens, who's died once before already, just to kill her off again. We don't kill off. Kyle Richards. Um, but we kill, it's just I'm there. So confused. It's just there to kill a bunch of people. And it's just, it's constant. And it's like, I like gore. We've talked about this. I'm a, I'm a fan of yeah. gore in, in horror movies. I like the Jace. I like the Friday the 13th movies. But even the Friday the 13th movies have rooms to like breathe. Mm-hmm. This is just literally like kill, 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 kill. Hospital scene, kill, 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 kill. And, it, and there's... But continued... the kill scenes are also boring. They're boring because there's like a, a plain animalistic brutality to them um, that are just like watching a nature video of a lion attacking uh, its prey. I mean, there's there's no there's no buildup of suspense at all. It's literally just like there's Michael Myers stab. Oh right. shit! Michael Myers isn't a thing. Grabs my head, bangs it against the wall. Michael Myers is there's literally no... standing in front of me. I have a gun. He's not even looking at me. I the my the distance I'm covering while I'm talking about that scene at the yeah, park yeah. where that woman is like out of the car, but then she's also like a mile away and then she's also right next to Michael Myers at the same time and she just shoots herself. Cannot well because he hits her with the door. Yeah. <laughs> she shoots herself. Uh, I I laughed out loud when I saw that and I was like, maybe that's the point of this. But everything afterwards is so it's everything about this movie is so poorly done, and it has to be. It had to be a joke. It has yeah, it to feels be. like it, like, but it also the, doesn't. It also it feels like it while also not feeling at all like. A I joke. will say this: there is one moment in this movie that is one hundred percent has to be a joke. Michael McDonald, frozen solid, looking at Mike Myers. As Mike Myers, Michael Myers turns towards him. And he says, no, that is, you cannot at all convince me that that is not an homage to Austin Powers. Right. Because Michael McDonald plays the guy in front of the, the security guard. Oh, he does? In front of the steamroller. <gasps> screaming, I didn't know that. No, stop. Oh, yeah, and he no. does. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. an homage. Oh, I love that, that is, scene. That is good. I, I will give, that is a joke in there. And I was like, when that happened, I was like. That's I good. forgot that that was that, that is, guy. That, you agree, right? That yeah. is that is one hundred. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, that's, no. I was like, oh, that's yeah. pretty good. That's awesome. pretty good. I do appreciate but that's, that. But that's here's the thing: 
And had this been, had this been, had they just done like, we don't want to fucking do a sequel to this. Like, had they just wanted to do a one-off and then David Gordon Green were like, okay, and, and Danny McBride had been like, and the third writer, who cares about him? Because um, this movie sucks. Um, had they been like, we wanted to make a serious one sequel and maybe they had an idea for a second one because they had been talked about like they wanted to do a second one. Um, but then they were like, no, like Jason Bloom was like, no, you have to do two more. Because, like, this movie, this last one made fucking shit ton of money. Right. Had they had just, like, leaned into the ridiculousness of this and still made it, like, kind of a joke mm-hmm. and not been, like, serious with it, I would have appreciated it a little more. But this is so, like, this does take itself so seriously, but there's nothing to take seriously well, in a movie where it's just Michael Myers. I mean, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. We've talked about ditto. this. Ditto. And I'm not even, like, talking in hyperbole because no. it even bad movies that have... Very little plot or structure, very little things going on, or, or do those things poorly, are trying to do something. Yep. Even your, your basic Jason films, throughout the run of them, there's, some, there's something going on that they're trying to do. There's, yep. there's some, you know, characters are trying to go from point A to point B. Maybe not necessarily Friday the 13th Part 3. <laughs> okay, I'll say that. Friday the 13th Part 3, really not. Um, but there's like a point A to point man, two and three don't, but I'd say and eight. The rest of them do. There's something going on. There's some sort of fight going mm-hmm. on. It's probably 13 part sevens. Carrie versus Jason, basically. Like, that's Whoa. cool. So there's something. You know, even your bottom tier horror movies. There's something. You're, even if point A to point B is the shortest distance ever, mm-hmm. it's something. Yeah. This has there is this has overlapping point A's. <laughs> yeah. In the fact that it just stays the ground. But it's also really except to kill off the few characters, except to kill off the grave woman you saw from the first one, yeah. and the nurse and the doctor you saw in the first one. My question, I have two, and the boyfriend. I have two points, and then I guess we can move on, or you know, we can beat up more on it. One of my points is that it's really so. All of those things are true, but it's also incredibly poorly made as like a piece of craftsmanship. Like I don't know the rules about. Ah, there's probably a rule. David Gordon Green's made a lot of movies. Danny McBride has made a lot of movies. The first, the opening scene takes place in front of two fences that are not, they're not the same fence. It's two different people in front of two different fences, but they're there and it's night in the same place, but they're in two different locations and there's a fence in both locations. And I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Because the person talking on the phone was talking to somebody who was dead next to a fence outside. And I was just like, are they going to run into each other? Or, like, what's going to happen? And where is that person? Like, where is the person he's calling? Where is he? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, like... just outside. It kind of requires you to, like, remember what happened in 2018. A lot of this is, like, doing that, which is fine. But I, I agree that there's, like, no point of perspective... Like there's, it's just a, it's just it's, it's kind just of just stuff. muddled, yeah. And that's why, like, if they want to make this comedy, like, just Monty Python it. Have Jason acquire a sword, Myers. or Michael Myers. Have Michael Myers acquire like, have him ha- bring the jaws of life everywhere, and have him cut people's arms off Black Knight style. You know what I mean? Like, a, like a Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, just do that. Like, but he doesn't do that. He stabs, and, and for some reason... Pokes some guy's eyes out. Yeah, and for some reason they feel, like, compelled to show, like, the perspective of the guy, the fireman in the helmet, getting his face... Twice. Right, why? What's the point? 
Why do that? I don't know. I, that's the thing. And, and that's what's funny, too. Like, the two sequences where you could have made a cool-looking gore scene of the when Michael Myers kills the firefighters who come at him, you know, villains in a ninja movie style one at a time. And uh, when he kills the mob, like, do a long shot of that of just and, and fucking spend a little money to get like a John Wick coordinator in there and be like, OK, right. we're going to replace, you yeah. know, 83, 63 year old James June Courtney with somebody that looks like like somebody younger. And we're going to have Michael Myers just doing a bunch of like weird fucking gung fu stuff. It's gonna look goofy as shit, but that's gonna be fun. Just make yeah, make him. He doesn't have to like do backflips, but he can like seem like, like he can things move. And, like, but that's the thing; he doesn't. He doesn't even seem like he can do no. anything. So when the guy's like trying to stab him with the chainsaw, he's just like he, he just kind of like grabs with like, one hand and slowly like bends it down. Yeah, it's just it's nothing. It's it's. The, I think that's and that's we kind of talked about this via text in this a movie, in a in a medium shot too, so we barely see any of it. Right. This movie seems so lazy. <coughs> It's the one of the. It's definitely one of the worst movies I've ever seen. One of the reasons is because it's easily the laziest movie. They didn't care if this movie was and good or bad or whatever, just as long as Michael Myers was walking around, Jamie Lee Curtis was somewhere, and a, a bunch of people and, went to see. And anybody who's listening to this, they would go like, "Well, it's not really one of the worst movies you've ever seen." Yeah, I understand. I've seen a lot of like the best of the worst yeah. stuff from Red I saw Media. Dreamcatcher. and like, but like actual. Terribly made movies. Terror. I've seen Terror at Blood Fart Lake. Look it up if you haven't seen it. Really horrifically crafted films. Uh-huh. But there's something redeeming in either how badly they're made or how much they're trying to do something uh-huh. that somewhat slightly works. Um, you know, when it's somebody who's when it's you have talented filmmakers and you have a shit ton of money, which they do. Um, I almost feel like and it's, doing a bunch yeah. of like so lazy and so purposeless that it's so this soulless. And soulless it's not is a good word. Yeah. Soulless, and then the, the things that it could do that could be fun. Looking at like another soulless movie, Final Destination Four, incredibly soulless. But then like the gore scenes and the death scenes are fun, and there's fun stuff that's happening in there. Uh-huh. That's that's fine. So it has moments of of a rise. Yeah. Or, I mean, I put this in the same level as like a like just staying in the horror lane of a Piranha 3DD, the sequel to Piranha 3D, which I actually uh-huh. love. You know, that was, I mean, John Gallagher Jr., or I think it's his name. John Gallagher Jr., director, is a terrible director. He did Feast, which was fine. That was, that is, who knows how much of that was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, because it seemed like they were pretty heavily involved in that, because it was the last Project Greenlight thing. Mm, um, oh, yeah, I remember Feast. You know, like that, it is on that level, but like John Gallagher Jr.'s bad at his job so you're just like <laughs> you still look at it and go like okay but he's bad at his job so maybe he was actually trying yeah. so this makes it this is worse because it is somebody you know who could have like been like yeah i'm gonna i'm going to do a journeyman kind of hands-off thing david gordon green has a, I'm cr- a movie in criteria two, i'm getting two million dollars for this or right. however much probably david gordon green made or residuals i'm gonna at least like do something Right. And Do some work. And I don't even really... I guess I blame him. I blame David McBride. I blame mostly Blumhouse, who had to have seen it, had an extra year to do stuff. It was like, meh. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Mm. We've expanded this Joe Hill story into a, a feature film with the black, tele, the oh. black phone, which is like an eight-page story where nothing happens. I mean, that, I think that can work. Sure. Dr. Kitson looks interesting. Has a job. But like, 
I don't. I just. I guess I don't understand anymore what Blumhouse's principles are. Yeah, well, like, its principles are make, make money to make money, but they can make money, and like, but we don't have to sit through another Halloween movie for them to make some money. Yeah, like. Just do anything else. It's enough with the fucking Michael Myers. Or if you're going to do a Halloween movie, like put the littlest bit of effort into it. Make it so we don't stay. But didn't people still. see the first Halloween movie? I mean, we talked about it on this goddamn podcast. I just watched it for some reason. I don't even remember why I 2018? watched it. 2018. No, like the first one, oh, like the original yeah. Halloween movie. Nothing happens in that movie. He made that movie for not even a million dollars, right? Yeah. Three hundred thousand, I think. Three hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Clearly, you don't have to spend a lot of money to make an effective horror movie. Have Michael Myers like cut out a couple death scenes and have Michael Myers standing in a distance a couple times, like the one point where like Kyle uh, Kyle Richards Lindsay sees like Michael Myers standing by the the car. Yeah. And freaks out and like she's, the Michael Myers is holding the head of the one kid. Or the mask, at least, because he killed the one kid. Um, uh-huh. Like, like you could like build in the suspense of that, but then he just immediately goes into like a kill, like a really quick kill. Like there's like a thirty seconds of suspense into a kill scene. Right. Let those expand out a bit, and they're probably cheaper for and you. Just do those because you don't have to do yeah. makeup effects. You just have James Jude Courtney walking slowly towards something, and yeah, it's going to be a repeat of the first Halloween, but whatever. <laughs> like. I just don't know who watched... I don't know who's like a fan of Halloween and was just like, you know what would make the first Halloween... Hall- Halloween films. Halloween fans, for the most part, fucking hate this movie. Right, good. And that, that, they should because who watched that movie? Who watched all the Halloween movies? And was like, you know what we need? We need Michael Myers to have to kill at least 100 people. Yeah. And a bunch of them for literally no reason at all. And to... To verge into a kind of torture scenario with some of these people. Yeah, and, like, like, and they'll the try drama. to hand wave it as like, well, the mob thing. No, fuck the mob. The thing. mob thing leads to the increase in fight. Because they have that hand waving scene where she's like, as he kills more, as he gets strength. So, no, that, fuck you. That's not, that's not a thing. You're right. just doing this because you think gore is going to sell more. And it didn't because this movie just well, tanked you, after the first movie. My weekend. big, I mean, so we kind of talked about the drone couple scene. My big problem with this movie with that scene was not that he killed the drone couple even though I didn't understand why he was in their house it was that like after that guy was already dead he's using the knife he stabbed him like a bunch it was like is he sentient now and he's like got a hard on or like what is his deal so they're trying to do the art thing that he did in the first Halloween you know but it's just like it's less like like the only one of those that works in that movie is when he does the setup of I mean, the other two kind of work in the old Michael Myers way of mm-hmm. setting up the bodies with the masks and then setting up Little John and Big John in, like, the opposite way of their engagement photo. Uh-huh. That works for the Michael Myers thing. The way he's doing it there is just, like, it's just it's it's just a way to add more violence and right. meanness to it. Right. And, like, we, you, we've talked about horror, I like horror movies, you know, when they're done well. I'm okay with blood and I'm okay with, like, whatever – but I'm not okay with, like, the just abject pointlessness of it. And it adds, like... I think the problem here is that they had they had an idea for a movie and they needed to make sure that it hit, like, a certain time. And so they were like, the only way to do it, if he's if this is literally going to be hours only after the first and this like, is... movie, like, or the 2018 movie, we have to pad this somehow. Also, fuck it. Make this movie 80 minutes. 
Right. That's fine. You don't have to make it 110 minutes. If it's 80, if it's 80 minutes and cuts out that shit and it adds a couple like suspense scenes, I per, I go like it's a mid tier Halloween movie, but it's a middle Halloween movie they made for money. Whatever, forgot it. And why don't, moving on? Well, that's the thing. And why don't they do? And I'm, now that I'm, here's the problem with the podcast, Mara. This is like the one problem with doing this podcast. I am forced to think about stuff that like I haven't one <laughs> I haven't to think about. So like they're like, oh, it's Halloween. Let's where there's a talent show. Let's do the talent show. Why don't they do like and 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 Tommy's gonna stand up in the middle of a talent show and tell the story. Why don't they do something clever like like a Halloween episode of The Moth or something? Like some kind of it's it's still cool. modern yeah. day, you know what I mean? Like especially after like the hipster... last one had been like the pod, the, the yeah, true crime podcast. Absolutely, thing. like they could. So that's but this is what I'm saying. This requires like a base level of talking about it without being super fucking high, and like coming up with new ideas. But they didn't do any of that stuff. Like why are they in the why are they in the bar? Dude, I don't know. Talent show. Talent show. Yes, talent show. Yeah. Let's get a pizza. Can we uh, move on? <laughs> I think I think we we should like it's just it's bad. You knew it's, it was gonna happen. No, yeah, I knew I knew it was gonna happen, but it's just like it, it, this movie doesn't deserve. That's we're deserve gonna, so we're gonna record three episodes today because we're gonna record this episode, we're gonna record the next episode, and then we're gonna do a special one and a half hour episode of <laughs> the Many Saints of Newark of me and you just like eating it alive. I mean, I don't. Is it Many alive in New York? Many Saints of Newark just like poof, luckily. For some reason, this Halloween kills kind of like maybe because like Halloween is so important. To me. Probably not because some of those movies. Halloween's just one of those bad movies that eats at me. Many Saints in New York is that movie I really hated when I saw it, and then like two days later, it was like, "Can I tell you a Many Saints of New York story?" Good. So it started my bad October because I was super fucking sick because I'm like super stressed out all the time, and like so my body has kind of my body at some point stopped working, and I was just like was sick. And I had like a fever, like a really high fever for like a day and then it broke and whatever. But I took, I was laying on the couch and like the fever was in me and I could feel it. And I was like, oh, I don't have, I can't move. So I'm just going to watch Many Sins of Newark because I know that's out. And I just listened to this David Chase conversation on WTF and what have you. And for like the first, like, and right before I took, I had just taken some Advil. And like for the first like 30 minutes of the movie, I was like. It's pretty good. Except for that Christopher, that weird Michael Imperioli voiceover in the beginning. Like, this is, this is really working. And then, the, and then the medicine kicked in. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Everything that's <laughs> happening here is terrible. And then you realize, like, the color grading on the film was like, everything's so bland well, and boring. And, and we kind of talked about, yeah, we talked a little bit about, like, in the Halloween thing about, like, just doing stuff just to do it or scenes lasting like a little bit too long or maybe it wasn't on there maybe it was like in the in before we went I'll on say that. i like the but, i like i like the saturation of following kills it doesn't look bad yeah. when it's doing something yeah but it has to but the camera work is bad no the camera works bad but like the, satur- the, the movements whoever, are bad the, the digital the, saturation yeah. that i assume they used worked i can imagine it looking good on a big when screen when it's darker yeah, when oh it's yeah. White, it looks terrible. Um, but when it's dark, it looks the, the the greens. A lot of the greens really pop. Right, but anyway, so I was watching the Many Sins of Newark movie, and then there's that scene where Ray Liotta does the Ray Liotta laugh, <laughs> and it was very clear that they were like, "Do the Ray Liotta laugh," and he was just like, "Okay," and it took him 
it took him the amount of time that they left the cameras rolling that they put in the movie for him to get there because it's like a laughing scene that lasts like 10 seconds too long and you're just like nope 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 nope, you're out this is not a movie anymore you're just hitting mob movie beats that movie that movie movie was so bad except for Leslie Odom Jr. who all who ended every single scene looking around clearly being like do I just keep going or do I do you want me to are you going to feed me another line or like what am I doing because I'm just looking around angrily now Regina King is a much better director than is David Chase the director of this? no he just wrote it I forget who directed it some guy who directed a bunch of Sopranos episodes. No. That movie stinks. A movie that doesn't... I'm so curious to know what you think about this movie. Um, it won the Palme d'Or at uh, this year's uh, Cannes Film Festival. Um, it is uh, Julia DeCorno's Titan. Well, no one told me about her way she lied But it's too late to say you're sorry How would I know? Why should I care? Please don't bother trying to find her She's not there Well let me tell you about the way she looked The way she acted The color of her hair Her voice was soft and cool Her eyes were clear and bright But she's not there Julia DeCano directed Raw from a couple years ago. Um, that was also... I think that premiered at Cannes, too. And made people faint. Um, and ruined a lot of people's days. Um, Tatan did the same thing, except it won the Palme d'Or. Uh, which was interesting. I think she was the first female director ever to win the Palme d'Or. They look like people. No, that's no. 2015. Um, so Tatan... Um, Follows the story of Alexis, who was in a, in a car accident when she was a kid, and she has a steel plate put in her head. And her first thing she does when she gets out of the hospital is she gives the car that she was in, or a car, I guess maybe it wasn't the one she was in. She gives it a kiss and a hug, and then when we see her again, she is a an adult woman. Who uh, goes to car shows and um, dances in front of cars, but she more like has sex with them. Piercing. I don't know. Get over it. Okay. You're, it's over, Sorry. Mario. Um, one night, she's dancing in front of a car and a guy uh, follows her home or follows her back out to her car after everything's over. And uh, she tries to kiss her. She stabs him in the temple with, a, or stabs him in the ear with one of her hairpins, um, and then she goes back into the uh, event place where they have the what are they, what are they called event space? I don't know uh, where they have the car show, and the car that she was dancing on is waiting for, her and she has sex with the car. Yeah, Christine. Apparently, the car is Christine. That's the name of the car. No, Christine. Oh, oh, yeah, but it's a, it's a girl car. She get pregnant. She gets pregnant by the car. How do you know? How do you know how cars reproduce? I guess I don't. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, gets pregnant by the car. Could be an enemy mind situation. Turns out she is a, a serial killer that they've been talking about on the news. She just kills people. Um, 
There was a girl that she was dancing with that she was attracted to that she tried to bite her nipple off later. And then she's randomly at some person's house with a bunch of other people. Her house. Is that her house? Justine's house, yeah. Oh, Justine's house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is her. She looks a little different. Um, And so she's the the lead actress in Raw. She tries to kill everybody in at the house, and some of it works, and some of it doesn't. Um, one of the women that live there escapes, so she's got a. Alexis has to has to leave, so she burns down her own house, um, or asphyxiates her parents, or uh, you know, I'm assuming she burns them. Is her mother in in the bed? I think I, so. Okay, I can. I saw. I know you see the father. I couldn't tell if the mother was also there, but. Well, the fa- for in case interested, the father's in the car in when she, it crashes, so she's kind of holds this grudge. And he's a he's a doctor, um, so she escapes by uh, breaking her nose in a scene that isn't as I don't know. I listened to I'll talk to, listen to a bunch of podcasts about this movie, and they were talking about like how horrific it is, and I was like, oh, Yorgos Lanthimos does this in literally every single movie. Every single movie has somebody breaking their nose just, like, sitting there. Um, breaks her nose, cuts her hair, dyes it, uh, and says that she's the returned uh, kidnapped son of this fire chief. Adrian. Who Being is taking steroids, uh, the fire chief, and uh, is is a super weirdo. Um... Some things happen. <laughs> Some things happen there, and I, it's, it's. We'll get there. Uh, the end of this movie, she gives birth to this baby, and the baby has a metal, like spine, a titanium of its back. spine. And when when she's pushing, so so the so the the dad thinks that he's a boy, and then he finds out that it's not a boy. So that uh, Adrian's dad. Is there when like um, is delivering Alexis's baby, and uh, Alexia, Alexia is and and the one kind of effective part for me was like when she was pushing and like when her stomach splits and it's all metal like underneath. I thought that that was interesting. Um, and yeah, there's a and there's a baby with a titanium spine, and that's it. She dies. There's some dancing. There's a lot of dancing in like, the second half of this movie. Like, more dancing than you would think that there would be based on, like, the first part of the movie. Um, I don't... I don't know. I don't... I don't find this movie as objectionable as people seem to find it. Like, from a, a content standpoint, it doesn't seem very horrific. I mean, Possessor is a movie that exists. And when she pushes that stool into that guy's mouth... I was like, yeah, Possessor showed us all of this already. Yeah, you just get, you get, a, you get a long shot of his jaw dislocated. And yeah, that's about I, it. I'm, I'm not sure how much of this is. But so to that is point, it, I don't think it hangs together. I don't even, I'm not 100% sure what it's trying to do, like, thematically. So I'm, I had a very empty feeling when the movie was over. Like, I wasn't disturbed. I wasn't moved I found some of like the early work in the car show um some of that stuff was effective like um it's like cinematically I thought it, I mean I watched it on my TV so I guess it doesn't you know it's not cinema 
Um, but I thought it looked good. I thought it felt pretty good. You got a projector. Got a projector, yeah. But I didn't watch. <laughs> I didn't watch it on the projector. Um, I had a very empty feeling when this this movie was over. I'm I'm. It's the French official um, selection for um, the Oscars this year. This is the movie they're submitting. That France is submitting for the best foreign language film. Um, obviously, won the Palme d'Or. Um, I don't know. I'm a little. Uh, I guess ambivalent is the word I want to, or I'm going to use. I don't know if it's the word I want to use. I don't. I don't think it's badly made. I just think it's. I almost think it's trying too hard. Where Halloween Kills wasn't trying at all, this movie is trying too hard. And, and to that point, and I don't want to like just tackle the critical establishment here. Nothing she does is all that horrible. I mean, when she sta- I listened to, a, I read a review and they talked about like how like the first kill is so horrible. She stabs the guy in the ear and he foams in the mouth. What? What is it? Where, who do you think we are? We watch movies. Anyone who's watching this movie has seen movies where they do tons worse things to people. I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure what the big deal is. Because she's a woman. I don't. What is it? I don't get it. But it can't be that she's a woman because this woman directed like Raw, like we said. Jennifer um, Kent has done Nightingale. We got. Yeah. If we want to talk about, um, I don't know, keep going. No, but that's, I, I just, but that's I what I mean. I like you can start, just start naming them. Like there's I mean, other there's, movies there's a, there's that happen. There's a movie you could very much name. Yeah, which that, one is that? Uh, well, I, mean, I don't want. This is where I'd kind of start jumping in. Go jump in, yeah. So, yeah, no, the the aspect of being transgressive doesn't work at all. Um, in this, and I find it humorous that people have lost their mind about like how transgressive this is, especially like in terms of like, coming from a woman director and whatnot, and you know how troubling it is uh, when the new French extremity movement is started by trouble every day. Yeah, which is Fuck a yeah, much man. more extremely disturbing film, and 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 goes further in its horror and its transgression especially considering it's 2000 1999 release 2001 i think um i can open it up right now 2001 2001 release yeah um yeah you know claire denis is doing a lot of work in that movie and making a transgressive film well and it's a claire denis movie so it's 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 steeped in a real in realism it yeah, looks like absolutely. home video, you know, it's not home video footage, but the way Claire Denis shoots a movie, especially in 2001, it was grainy, it was, you know, it was very naturalistic, and um, Vincent Gallo literally ate somebody. Like, he ate a woman's crotch. Like, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what else you want. Like I'm not sure how you compare transgressiveness, like yeah. one thing versus the other. And, and that's that's what I find humorous is is the fact that like Ariva Parent, I remember in the early 2000s, we, you know, there's extensive talk about new French extremity. Yeah, we like, talked about it a bunch on this you know, podcast. Trouble every day, uh, inside martyrs, um, you know, high tension being kind high of like tension, the, yeah. being the one that kind of was big of those bunch. Mm-hmm. Those movies, uh, and you know, like, like outside Trouble Every Day, all those are male directors mm-hmm. um, doing the male gaze, whatever. Not, not really high tension or more. Actually, no, those movies are doing the male gaze. Um, but they're male directors putting women through horrific things outside mm-hmm. of Trouble Every Day. But those are like actually transgressive films. And yeah, there's, there's, there, my problem 
with this. I, I think this movie stinks. Like, fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> is, is the fact that... She doesn't, she doesn't have anything to say. Yeah. Julia de, de, de Cornet. Um, I, I, un, I, I kind of get the intent here of um, trauma and, and sexualization of trauma. You know, this, this, you, you don't necessarily know if, if there was like a weird sexual thing between her and her father, I don't necessarily see it there, so I, I'm not going to say that that's happening. But we had, we don't. There's no. There's nothing there that shows that. that. No, right. But we do know the trauma of of how her parents are kind of like really distant and unfeeling with her, mm-hmm. ultimately leading to her almost dying and getting a metal plate inserted in her head. We could call that being trauma, mm-hmm. and and just even if if it is just basically not being loved, mm-hmm. and that leads to her sexualizing later on that trauma, but also being um, extremely hesitant and distant from every from any sort of emotional attachment, and mm-hmm. from you know from sexualizing her trauma, you can then say that any sort of instance of sexualization. Um, kind of coalesces with with a need for violence. Mm. I see that. Mm-hmm. And I see in the end when the baby has the metal in it that maybe it's trying to say the generational trauma. Well, I hope not because that's so fucking stupid. I hope it's just trying to be magical realism. Well, you gotta, you can't do that. There's no reason for the second half of the movie. One doesn't, the second half of the movie doesn't connect to the that, beginning to the very end of the movie. No. It doesn't make any sense. And, and, and I appreciate her attempt to humanize um, Alexa in terms of like going from a position where she is an extremely desensitized, amoral person who has sexualized her trauma and who only responds to people with total indifference or violence mm-hmm. into trying to foster this relationship between her and Vincent that is built upon actual love, tender love sort of thing. Like like the one instance of love. Yeah. That to me sort of works. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, but it's a weird but way it's, to it's, get it's there. It's a weird, but the problem with this, the thing that makes me hate this movie, is it, it doesn't connect. Like, no, it, it doesn't is connect so at all. Utterly disjointed from its editing, from its from its screenwriting. It, nothing. There, there is real, really no arc that builds. It, it goes from like I, I really had a hope for the scene. Had a hope for a scene where. Alexa and Vincent do that dance to um, the I first forgot. one, the kind of like dance fight they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I forgot song that's playing. I forget too, but it's American. Yeah, it's an American, it's an American song. song yeah. Um, and that really works for me because it's like, oh, you know, like they're fighting and whatnot, and yep. like she's gonna try to, she tries to kill him, and he responds with like, he responds still like in a tender way, and I thought, oh, we're going to like have a nice slow descent an arc into like a real appreciation and love for them mm-hmm. and instead it has this really weird disjointed um overly masculine protection that he has of him with the younger uh the younger kind of like a uh, firefighter who mm-hmm. we, we we can only assume he kills we see him later on but mm-hmm. I, I can only assume that's an hallucination mm-hmm. he blows him up <laughs> um so it has this weird masculinity with but also it just goes for like he just like starts giving Adrian Alexa like more responsibilities and trusting her him more. Um, 
that doesn't work. And and because because it's so it's so disjointed. It, it just it's it's kind of like watching a dream in the sense, but in the worst sense, of the fact that like when you're experiencing yourself, it ha- you can fill the blanks. But when you're watching it as a person watching a creator do this, it doesn't work because it's so disjointed. And there's and, and the um, from a story perspective. In the sense of like following the narrative, it works. But in a terms of emotionally following that narrative and emotionally connecting with these characters, it doesn't. Because you haven't kind of seen that nice ebb and flow, that nice development downward from this violent, amoral person, this someone who, who is deeply caring. Not deeply caring, but somebody who is trying to have this moment of redemption. Yeah. Because it's so, because it's so disjointed in that filmmaking, you don't feel it ever earns it. And that's what doesn't work for me is the fact that like it's supposed to have this this fall, this kind of um, like like in the sense of like uh, a traditional comedy, in the sense of like starting in a bad place, blah blah blah. And then mm-hmm. it, even though it kind of ends in a slightly tragic moment, there's some sort of redemption in it. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Greek comedy sense, but it just doesn't get there. And and I don't necessarily. I would always say like. Uh, you know, like this, you know, this director like doesn't get there and it shows promise, but I don't see promise here. I see someone who's so caught up in their thing, mm-hmm. like have, not having seen Raw. So I guess I should need to see should see Raw and force myself to see it. But I see a director who's so caught up in trying to be transgressive and so caught up in trying to do these things, mm-hmm. um, especially since how much she mentions it. Like, oh, my parents were doctors, and so like I'm used to the body and death just being described. You know, apathetically, but like that's just kind of it feels like that's just done to like be a punch, mm-hmm. but it's lazy. Mm-hmm. Like this movie feels extremely lazy, well, and it just feels so unpack. Like it feels like it's a story and a script that wasn't thought about or passed over. It just kind of gets somewhere. It looks good at times. It looks good at times. At times, that tracking shot of her going into the um, car show—that's that's cool. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, so there's there's a good cinematic eye, but like. There's not like I would like to see her direct a movie that she didn't write. Well, I, right. I guess I when Claire Denis does, writes a screenplay and doesn't want to direct a film, maybe I also maybe think do that, that it, this it's. I think she started with an idea. She started probably with an image first. Well, she of said the, having she, no, sex she, with the car. No, she said that she had had a nightmare of giving birth to car parts. Right. So. But I'm not sure how you get from point. So when this movie started, I kept thinking. This is a lot like Promising Young Woman. Mm, absolutely. Like I thought it functioned on the same level. A kind of pseudo-vengeance, um, but vengeance not like uh, for herself. Vengeance as a... Um, as, as some kind of, uh, you know, anonymous knight. Sort of, yeah. Like, errant who like, comes through and just, like, avenges all women who are treated like this. Wraith is the term, right? Like from Lord of the Rings? Like a ring wraith? No, uh, what's what's oh god? Um, go, keep keep talking. I'll, I'll find I'll find out what it is. Um, but then it's but then it's clearly it's clearly not. And I think the thing that's really interesting about this movie is that so they they make her a serial killer, okay? From the news, we know that from the news. We also know that she kind of goes out of her way in that second murder scene when she murders everyone or she tries to murder everyone in that house. Where she seems like really enthusiastic about killing people, but after she kills the one guy with the hairpin, 
in the in the ear. She doesn't seem very enthusiastic about killing somebody. And she doesn't seem aggravated like, oh, I had to kill a guy. She seems really freaked out that she just stabbed a guy in the fucking ear. But apparently he's like the fourth person or something that's been killed. So I guess for me, I think we have the same problem. It's not Rafe. I'm thinking of a Dubuque from Jewish culture. Oh, okay. Um, I think for me, we I think we have the same problems. But for me, it's like all emotional in the sense that like, I'm not sure what the emotional impact of any of this shit Absolutely is supposed not. to be. Yeah. And so that's why, like, which after a while, it, pl- it pl- sorry, go ahead. so which sucks. Not just to cut you off really quick, just because I, I think this yeah, is yeah, yeah. point. Because these these performers are doing a lot of work. Like they're, I think a lot of work. They're they're, you know, Vincent Linden and Agatha Russell um, are doing a lot of lift in here. Right. And I think like what critically people are connecting to is how much they're doing in their face, yeah, and well, their body. And, but that's a, but here's the thing. There is a Todd Salons movie. The second half of this movie is a Todd Salons. Actually, the whole movie is a Todd Salons movie. Okay? But the Todd Salons movie experience is you know how Todd Salons feels. And these people are expressing the appropriate emotion to to, um, express Todd Salons' feeling about the theme or the story or whatever. Okay? These people are... She's attempting to to draw these people as their own individual people. She's, I don't get a lot of authorial presence in this movie Absolutely. per se, but I almost feel like I want some because the first part of this movie and the second part of this movie have nothing to do with each other emotionally, thematically, whatever. There's a weird masculinity component in like the second half of this movie where like, you know, Vincent with the steroids and uh, the like, dancing, the, 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 the dancing, weird kind of like, like rave dance that and, the firefighters but, have. And after. doing like the, his, his pull-ups when he's just like screaming shirtless in like a, in, in, in like the, the driveway or whatever. And you know how he's, he's, I'm God and like all this other shit. But I don't know why, like is, was, was Alexia's problem somehow related to her gender? I don't think so. She got in a car accident, like, and she was, you know. Um, well, and that's that's the weird thing is like she's, uh, you know, whatever. it's like because there there is that weird um, transgender moment with Adrian, correct? Like, right. Where you see the picture of Adrian in the dress, and but then it's just like I I don't see any of that. But there's also the weird, I don't see the twelfth night thing connecting to that, right? And there's but there's the weird consumptive quality. What it's twelfth night, right? That is the, the uh, Shakespeare play. Uh, yeah, as the Woman dressing up as the man. I, I feel like that's all of them. Okay, but it, it could it could there could be very specific in that. Um, there's the weird consumptive quality to it too, when like she's um, her and um, I forget that woman's name that she was with. You mentioned it before, but I forget what it is now. Um, the one when she's um, when she's like sucking on her nipple. Uh, Justine. Yeah. Justine. And I'm just like, but, and which is fine you know what i mean especially like at the beginning of the movie you're just kind of like i'm not and they have that interaction in the shower and it's like i'm not 100 sure how she's interacting with people sexually because we still don't know her very well mm-hmm. but she just had sex with a car okay so we're just like there's something up here but none of those questions ever get answered there's no reason for her to try to eat her you know what i mean it's not like maybe because she had her nipple pierced well like, it's because it's the metal and uh, like that why 
Like, what does that have to do with anything? Is it a... Me, cars aren't just metal. Did she have sex with the car because it's made out of metal? No. Like, right? I assumed. I assumed it's just because it's metal. Just... But the seat's That's, not made of metal. Well, she's having sex with the, the stick shift. I think she was in the back... I thought she was in the back seat. I think you're supposed to get the idea that she's... It's just she's had she's inserted some sort of metal what, component. Of the well, car. So, there's oil. There's left. There's a leftover residue. You know. Later I mean, there's the so day. much the weird magical magical realism. Going but that's on, but I that's think. the whole point. Is that like you can have all your magical realism. Do all the magical realism you want. But but if you're it. gonna do other stuff, you need to connect it to something. And it's not all these little component pieces are not connected to anything. And that's that's a problem. Is like. What we're doing and what critically people have been doing is so much lifting for this movie. Right. Like, a, mo- a good movie shouldn't require you to do that much lifting. Or, and if it does require you to do that much lifting, it should leave you enough breadcrumbs that when you do, like, you're like, oh, it's maybe this, and you go back and look at it, you're like, okay, yeah, sure, I could see the through line of that. And I watched this a second time, and there's oh, no did. fucking through line well, in anything. It's interesting because... It's, it's just like I'm doing this because I'm having to fill in these these yeah. blanks. And I think visually, I mean, outside of like why she's attracted to metal and that being right. the, the trauma thing, but then like it doesn't earn. But like why how she grows out? Why of that. be attracted to metal? Why not be attracted to cars? Is that too close to crash? Like that? There's a car component to I it because she said she was influenced by crash. I mean, I, I just I really took it as like the me- metal plate in her head. Metal plate. That's the actual trauma. Maybe the car created the crash, but, but like I just thing. figured, because why not do a, why not do a do you want a mangler scene? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> why not do like why not have her get Ted like, Levine? Listen, Ted Levine would have. I don't know what why grade I give this. Their press. I have no idea what grade I would give this movie, but if Ted Levine was in it, it would get. Ten additional points. Had he played like a detective searching the Had serial he done killer? Anything. If Ted Levine got super old man jacked and like did steroids and just stuck. No, I don't want him in that role. Ass. I want him to be re- searching for the serial killer. Find her having sex with a laundry machine, mm-hmm. like a like the the pressing. You know, talk about the yeah. uh, the fabric folding, whatever thing machine. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing there? But then, like he dies, whatever. That's fine. But like, as long as we get that scene, why not? So it. like, that's so. I guess this is an interesting question. Maybe we should do a, like a bonus episode of um, the Mangler, of the Mangler and Raw. Um, Raw seems to be about one thing. If this is about metal, why not just have her fall down some stairs and get a metal plate in her head and have her do weird stuff to metal? Like have a kid do weird stuff to metal, and then as an adult, she does. She has sex with this car, maybe because it's made of metal or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Like, or she's trying to bite this woman's breast off because she has her nipple pierced. Like, why go well, through all of the effort for all of this other stuff to have it just not pay off at and the all? Car, and I guess the cars connect because it's all about the... I think it's all supposed to be about the trauma. And so the car could also be connected because the accident happened yeah, in a car. Right. And But that's the thing. But then she's also attracted to metal because she has the metal plate. What, but that's a, so we're too... We're so broad now. Exactly. Like, not even like thematic. I guess not even thematically. We're so broad now from a motif standpoint that like, what are we supposed to choose here? Which image? Which I? Which object is the one we're supposed to? Re- we're, that's you're supposed to be imbuing with 
like an emotional and, and core. Thing, I, is it all of them? Is it none of them? Like what I, is it? And then when and I'm sorry to interrupt you. And then no, the no, second half of the movie, you. and the second half of the movie, none of that stuff exists. None of that stuff is there. You go from until like she this, has sex with the fire truck. You yeah. get this very visual, like very visual beginning of the movie, and then for like an hour, it's very plain. It's a family drama. It's yeah. nothing. Like I don't get it. I just I really I don't get it. But I think it's well made. I think it's a well made movie that I, I, I like from a, from like a visual standpoint that I just yeah. I that think she's work. I think she's a solid visual director. I think she gets good performances out of her actors, but she 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 needs somebody else's script, and you know. She needs maybe a different editor. Does people need to watch more Lars von Trier movies because he does the worst? Or fucking Claire Denis, or Claire Denis. But I'm saying, if you want to make a, like a transgressive movie, okay? I don't. Why aren't we all? Why isn't all these people? Why isn't like it mandatory that everyone who like everyone that wants to make a transgressive movie has to sign like a thing or go to some dark web website and fill out a form, and then they just send you a link to like the director's kind of like house at Jack built, and they're like, if you're not gonna do this. Don't do anything, okay? If you're not going to cut off Riley Keough's breasts, if you're not going to shoot a kid and then taxidermy it, if you're not going to, like, bash Uma Thurman's face in for literally no reason, if you're not going to make a house out of bodies and then finish your movie off with the most visually rapturous experience that you can do, don't do anything. Well, to be fair, like, there, there's a way to be transgressive without being cruel. But I if you want to be cruel and gross... But I don't think she's t- trying to be cruel. I think she's but, trying to be transgressive but then why and kill, violent. But that's the thing. But why... So that's the thing. She doesn't... And I don't think she understands the form, per se. If you're gonna kill people... Okay? Or watch fucking a Jennifer Kent movie. Like, Jennifer Kent in both, like, right. Baba Duke and Nightingale. Because I want to, like, tie this to, like, a, a, an actual, like, a woman director who's, like, maybe has the more intentionality of not focusing in on woman victimization that Lars von Trier outside of Melancholia has, you know, been kind of stereotyped as doing. And I don't think that's necessarily what he's trying to do, but just for the sake no, of, no, but sake it's of totally the argument. Fair, yeah. Sake of the argument. Yeah. Like, look at, like, what Jennifer Kent does in victimization and in terms of, like, not making it just necessarily cruel, but then building from that right. cruelty. Like, do that. Yeah, but you're talking about two different... You're talking about... And this is not a criticism of you. You're talking about two different things because one of them is rooted in... A theme and an emotion in a uh, a visceral uh, like a visceral palette almost you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, in a kind of in a in a cultural um, expression of, of cultural values at like a specific time and this is nothing well that's why I'm t- and that's why I try to say like Claire right. Denis has also would be to keeping with like a like a good example of that too like fucking. Um, what the what's the the, the high rise not high rise um oh my god the JG mo- Ballard no not high rise I'm thinking uh why am I forgetting the name of the movie right now you loved it Claire Denis which one oh high uh high, high life, life yeah high life uh, <laughs> uh you know you want to talk about like a weird auto sexualization that fucking scene yeah oh yeah well oh my god and that's the thing and like the so that's what a, actress that's is a good that? call. that's um. Julia Binoche. Julia Binoche, yeah. Julia Binoche, like that scene. You know? Julia Binoche fucking blackness. With the same, it's the same thing. Straps. Yeah. Throwing her head all over that's the place. That's doing fucking, that's doing work. Yeah, it's doing that's work. That's doing work around it. Doing work. 
She's not Claire Denis. No. And and I, I think visually she has the ability to 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 touch upon that because mm-hmm. she's you know significantly younger and Claire Denis unfortunately is probably going to die for the next 10 15 years. Don't say that. Um third well, you know, we Ag- need... Agnes Barr to live forever. So maybe Claire Denis Claire Denis and JR and Claire Denis just rolls her <laughs> eyes at JR the whole time. <laughs> but um you know so visually she ha- she she can reach that but she's just not the storyteller for it. I don't think she has it in her. But that's but here's the thing about and this is a much longer conversation that I think we wanted to have is that you use the word storyteller. I love that you I love the word storyteller because I would argue that Claire Denis is not like a storyteller either. She's something else. She's because like there's okay, no it's the story of visual uh, visual no, but emotive I don't think, sense. But I don't think that I don't I think you're right without being um I think uh, Lynn, verbally, but Lynn correct. Ramsey's like this too, right? Yeah. Lynn Ramsey tells a story without actually telling a story. You know what I mean? Like, there's no real like, experience, and it's, it's experience. Yeah, it's, it's experiential. It's and an it's, experiential sort of, and it's but it's full, yeah, because it's so um, uh, emotionally and viscerally and sensually full and it, controlled and controlled. It feels like a story. When in reality, it's an experience. You're right. That's a perfect way to put it. That's a that's a gold star way to fucking put it. Um, and she doesn't forever. And I think Todd Salons is kind of like he does that stuff. Into you know, go back to that point I was making. Well, I'm forgetting what Todd Salons is the happiness. Happiness and um, and storytelling. Right, right. Storytelling. That's what I was saying. Welcome to the dollhouse. Um, palindromes. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I mean, this movie gave me super palindromes feelings. Palindromes, palindromes. palindromes is the story where it's one it's a story of a girl who gets like passed around from family to family to family but the girl is played by a different actress in every setting so there's a gen- like it's a it's a young girl but she's played by Jennifer Jason Lee at one point she's played by a black woman at one point um it's just kind of I guess say Jenna Malone great maybe she's in it I don't know um but this gave me but that again so that's a that's a that's a um, that's yeah, and transgressive, I think, I think, and, I, and it's it's kind of this it's kind of episodic, but it has it has a point. He's kind I, of making a he's making a point. I'm not sure what point she's making. And I and I think I think almost her her focus on violence and transgression works against her. Yes, in this context. Yeah, maybe it doesn't in raw. But like because I think because I think oh, in the second half the second half uh, swallow. Haley, the Haley Bennett movie. Thank Love you. that fucking movie. I yes, watched that movie it's again. Swallow. It's Swallow. Woo. It's Swallow. Okay. That's a, hor- that's a horror-ish movie, right? I mean, it's, it's mostly it's, about... It's kind of... It's, it's about Voir, right? It's or not Voir. It's about... Um, Pika. Pika. It's not because there's no, like... Because it's 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 not a horror movie because it's not a horror, like a horror movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. But anytime you swallow tax... Yeah. It's a horror, it's a horror because, movie. Cause, but I think, I think this movie is almost successful in its second half. Oh, I think it's oh. almost successful in its first half. Okay. I think its second half is garbage. But I think its first half is just so punctuated by, like... Sure. These moments. And I think the second half is garbage because it follows that that first half. But I think, like... I think if it wasn't trying to do so much, it would have worked. Like, I almost... Well, if it, f- yeah. it just picked a thing that it wanted to do, right? Like, if you fucking take out the metal part of this movie, maybe it works. Like, if you just make her a serial killer... <laughs> make, but that's the thing. <laughs> like, tries to get away. Trauma. Make some trauma. Killer. 
escaping by doing this thing, interacting also, with this guy who's was also pregnant because she got raped or had or had consensual sex or whatever, and killed the person. But she's pregnant with a regular baby. I don't know. I don't know. But like, but, we're doing we're too much work. We're rewriting. Yeah, yeah. We're no, rewriting I don't this movie it. now. Right. But I, I just, I just, I just think all these things thrown in together into this pot just do not work. I'm not sure they could ever have worked because I don't necessarily think a, a, a capable filmmaker and writer would have done all these things. No, and I think the problem that I'm having with it is that I didn't even need it to work as a good movie if it was. Um, or as a as a great movie, as a Palm d'Or winning film, if it if it, it was hitting its its um, uh, transgressive beats more effectively, or hitting you know, its or hitting its story beats, if it was yeah. hitting one of its beats more effectively, and it doesn't hit any of its beats nearly like hard enough or effectively enough, yeah, its rhythm is off. It ain't, it ain't no on drugs climax. <laughs> I've. The more time that goes by, the more I fucking love Climax. Continue to hate that movie. I'm, I'm just. I've, you I've should decided. watch it again. I don't. I'll, I'll. I'll do it. But I. I just think me and Gaspar no aren't 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 buds. Mario, watch it again. Not in the context that we watched it the first time. No, I can do. I can do that. But yeah, it was. It's. It's again. It's weird and it's. But that's the thing. That shit's fucking transgressive in a lot of ways because it. It feels bad. You feel bad watching Climax. And then, like, there's a kid involved, and then you feel worse, and then the movie just kind of ends with one person feeling great. And you're just like, holy, holy shit, that's... Penetration, crime fighting, penetration, then it kind of, just kind of ends. <laughs> what? It's, it's always sunny line. Uh, no, I've not seen more than, like, ten seconds of that show. I always feel bad. Now it's too late. I feel like it's too much. Yeah, well, it's right. Too much. There's like a thousand episodes. I think. No, I'll give it another shot. I just don't. I just don't think whatever he's doing works for me. Yeah. Hmm. But this also isn't working for me. No. You know it does work. Our Twitter. It does. And you can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Or you can go to Pivotal Film. Uh, send us an email at pivotalfilmpodcast@gmail.com. <laughs> it will be mixed in with the thousands of spam emails we get. Or you can uh, here's a copy of your receipt for what something you didn't actually order. Yeah. Um, uh, or you can go to pivotalfilm.com where we have a list of the movies on our pivotal film list. Remember when we did that? We did. Um, and how to subscribe to the podcast and uh, our Twitter feed. Um, the yeah. things we just mentioned. Yeah, we'll see. Are we going to post this one first and then post yeah, the other one? This, I, I think it's one. First. Okay, so then we'll ta- uh, we'll see everyone in a week or so. Uh, watch some movies, drink some beers. And we'll talk to you soon.